Call from mom. Answer it. Call silenced. Instacart knows nothing gets between you and the game. That's why they make ordering from your couch easy. Stock up today and get all your groceries for the week delivered in as fast as 30 minutes without missing a minute of the game. You have 47 new voicemails. Download the app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Let's go there with Shira and Ryan. Channel Q. Hello, hello, and welcome to another show. It is Shira and Ryan together. What's up? Together again. Yeah. As we've been. Thank you. Actually, Ryan used to be a... Never uh, in my life. Was a choir singer. Well, I was in choir in church. I was in choir in school. I was a theater kid. Also was a stage manager, you know, directing oh, wow. and managing what was happening by the scenes, making sure people had their blocking. Oh, and their... I'm sure you did. Yeah. Manage them. Most Whipped definitely. Whipped them in shape. Didn't. And guess what? We put on some of the best productions of that school's sure. lifetime. Still goes down history. So, thank you very much. Annie got her gun. Just saying. <laughs> oh, I thought you were like, who got the gun? Annie got her gun. <laughs> I know. It's just like. Oh, my God. Uh, so, how have you been, Ryan? <laughs> you know, I've been actually really great. I had a pretty tough night last night. Oh, 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 yeah. yes. Uh, and Shira did not care, actually, at all. No, we I were, did. We were in the middle no, of um, our producers, uh, you know, under the weather. And um, I was saying, oh, my God. I said, I'm my sorry. My dog is kind of going through something right now. And, I- <laughs> and Shira completely... It took like 10 minutes for Shira to respond, and Coco. And like, she was just- I said, sorry to Shelby, and I said, and Coco too. And no, you said, and Coco 10 minutes later, and and then- Do you ever think I was did, in the middle of something too? My dog I was on her up. deathbed. I realized it was My dog was on her deathbed. She's just now recuperating. It's not okay. She was having a high old time. No! Oh. <laughs> but she's okay. Yeah, she's fine, but- yeah, it was a traumatic thing. Oh, and sure. Shira did not give one Fs. So but true. that is um that's how I'm doing. That's What's coming up report. on the show today? <laughs> no. Okay, well, dozens of celebrity democratic supporters and activists who joined a call with White House aides Monday to discuss the Supreme Court overturn of turning of Roe v. Wade. We're gonna be talking about that conversation in 15 minutes. Then how COVID could be messing with you after multiple infection. Uh, maybe it did with me because my brain's not working. Yeah, for sure. Uh, it's also that time of month, so give me Ew, a break. Uh, why would you? Let's get into someone's trending this hour. <laughs> Highland Park shooter Robert Cremo admitted to investigators he did fire at a crowd at the July 4th parade. He's going to remain in jail without bond. Law enforcement said that the suspect considered carrying out another attack in Madison, Wisconsin with another weapon in his car. Here is Christopher Cavelli, deputy chief of the Lake County Sheriff's office. Investigators did develop some information that it appears when he drove to Madison, he was driving around. However, he did see a celebration that was occurring in Madison uh, and he seriously contemplated using the firearm he had in his vehicle to commit another shooting in Madison. Madison. Do you know how much ammunition he had at that point? Approximately 60 rounds. At that point he did? Yes. Yes. What about his motivation for the attack in the first place? His motivation isn't uh, necessarily clear. I don't want to go specifically into what he told investigators. However, he uh, had some type of affinity towards the number four and seven, and inverse was seven four. Okay, moving on to some better news. The National LGBT Chamber of Commerce and the global online food delivery company Grubhub will continue a $2.1 million grant program they began last year to provide financial support to struggling LGBTQ plus owned and ally restaurants and bars through 2022 and 2023. Those grants would range from 5000 to 100000 So maybe if you're in that, you could possibly get a grant. 
Just saying, that was what's trending this hour. What's happening in entertainment news? Well, Bette Midler is addressing one of her tweets about women's rights that may be deemed as transphobic. It's time for the T-Report, those pop culture stories trending right now. So, yeah, there was plenty of people yesterday just, you know, letting it rain transphobia. Um, And it all began on Monday when the actress shared a tweet about women being stripped of our rights. That was a quote, which comes on the heels of the Supreme Court's decision to overturn Roe v. Wade. Now, in her post, she, you know, goes on to talk about, you know, inclusive language and hating that they have to use it and and how it's stripping away from women, blah, blah, blah. Well, of course, she was hit with backlash over her tweet as some social media users accused her of being anti-trans, claiming her words were, quote, exclusionary against the transgender community. She said... Um, in the wake of all of this, uh, she wanted to clarify her comments. In a series of tweets, uh, she shared that the that her tweet was a response to a recent New York Times article titled, The Far Right and Far Left Agree on One Thing, Women Don't Count. And she said that she had no intention of being exclusionary or transphobic. She said, People of the world, my tweet about women was a response to this fascinating and well-written piece in the New York Times on July 3rd. There was no intention of anything exclusionary or transphobic in what I said. It wasn't about that. It was about the same old blank women and all women have been put uh, been putting up with since the cavemen. Even then, men got top billing. But seriously, folks, if anyone read that tweet thinks I have anything but um, have anything but love for marginalized people, go to Wikipedia and type in my name. Fought for marginalized people for as long as I can remember. I hate it when people do that. You can still make mistakes and still have fought for marginalized people. Oh, yeah, yeah. Like, stop thinking that all your history of work just does not mean that you can't make a mistake. (laughs) You ain't Jesus. (laughs) Admittedly, just like say that you messed up and apologize and call it a day. Yep. That's your team report. We got more coming up next hour. Uh, What did celebs, including actress Deborah Messing, have to share with the White House? There was a celebrity call around Roe v. Wade. We're going to tell you more about it next. Let's go there with Shira and Ryan. Channel Q. Well, it seems like a few days after Roe v. Wade was overturned, a few celebrities, including actress Deborah Messing, jumped on a call with the White House. It was activists, too. It wasn't just celebrities. Yes. Activists um, and other influential leaders. Asking questions and wanting for change to be done, you know, demanding it, actually. Very frustrated as uh, Democrats with Biden. And here to share more is political commentator, our own Ryan Basham. Welcome back. Hey, thanks for having me back. So tell us about this call and what went down. You know, um, so... Keep in mind, this was only three days after the decision on Roe v. Wade uh, came down. So so it was, you know, remember uh, on the Monday or Tuesday after that happened, how you felt (laughs) and that's how they felt. So it was definitely still in the now, of course, I wasn't on this call, so I'm I'm assuming. But it's I think it's a safe assumption um, that, you know, they were still in, you know, shock, disbelief, panic, anger. Um, at, you know, each one of those being at 10 out of 10. So, um, you know, these uh, celebrities who are um, regularly surrogates for Democratic candidates and the Democratic Party, um, as well as activists, you know, they they wanted to see radical, big action from Biden. And, you know, people, especially on the progressive left, generally have a criticism of Biden that, um, you know, that he he takes too long to do things, that they want to see really aggressive action on this or that. Um, and, and I think it's hard to to remember sometimes that, you know, his he's an old school, like, you know, of a bygone era politician. You know, he's the last of the of the great senators who really genuinely was successful at creating bipartisan success. And so. Um, you know, he's coming at it from that angle. But, you know, in part, he also came in with a lot of problems that he didn't, you know, that that took up a lot of the time that perhaps more rapid action could have come from, like fixing all the mess that Trump made, like fixing the pandemic. So it's a complicated situation. But the reality is also that when people aren't getting what they want, they're always going to look for someone high profile to blame. And that's just how it is. So could Biden be moving more quickly? Sure. Um, but there is not there's there is good reason behind why um, why he moves as slowly as he does. Even if I don't always disagree with it, I understand where he's coming from. If that makes sense. Okay. Well, I kind of want to push back a little bit on this idea of like people just wanting something someone high profile to blame because I do understand 
um, that can be true. But I also think, you know, Democrats tend to often like kind of put their foot in it, especially after Roe v. Wade, the announcement happened. There was a mass email that was sent out from the party to like donate $15. I mean, we saw it being covered on the news to be a part of this fight and, and make sure to vote. And I think, you know, there's moments where I don't think they are on the same page as their constituents. And I mean, Deborah Messing, she's someone that is echoing a lot of what just regular people, not her just even being a celebrity. She said she got Joe Biden elected and wanted to know why she was even being asked to do anything at all. She was yelling that there didn't even seem to a point to voting. Others wondered why the call was even happening. And so I wonder what do, how can Democrats understand what constituents need versus what this kind of slow and steady race that President Biden is on? It doesn't really seem like it's connecting. Yeah, and I, and I appreciate, you know, her position on the why are we having when I worked on the Biden campaign, I was on the team that dealt with surrogates. So I, I've run and been a part of many calls like that before. And usually there's a, a purpose to it that makes, you know, like it feels like there's momentum happening. But during the Biden campaign, that was easy. We were trying to defeat Trump. Um, yeah. Look, um, yes, the people who are full time in politics do sometimes get disconnected from the rest of America, but that isn't on purpose. It's just that like any job, you're kind of, you know, if you're in a career that you care about, you get kind of consumed in your career. So yeah, was the email that went out asking for money in poor taste? Yes. But also was it practical? I mean, yeah, because the Koch brothers committed $400 million to this election cycle already, and they're probably going to put in more. So we really do need a lot of money on the democratic side. So, you know, it's a both thing. Uh, yeah. I do think that I do. I would like to see Biden make more rapid action. But the price of that is that it may be easier for the next Republican president to undo if he does it quickly as opposed to doing it thoroughly. Right. Mm. Yeah. And in the right way. OK, well, that was Ryan Basham, again, our favorite political analyst. Thanks for being here. Thanks for having me. OK, what's next, Ryan? What is COVID doing to you with each time you get it? Mm. Luckily, I have not gotten it yet. You're but perfect. for you, you all who are on your third time, guess what? Listen up to this next conversation because it's for you. Let's go there with Shira and Ryan. Channel Q. Now, the more times you catch COVID, the sicker you're likely to get with each reinfection. That's the worrying conclusion of a new study drawing on data from the U.S. Veterans Administration. Joining us to break this down is Dr. Amesh Adalja, um, who's an infectious disease doctor at John Hopkins Center for Health Security. Thanks so much for joining the show. Sure. Thanks for having me. So I guess break down in what ways is it more dangerous every time you catch? Like, how is it impacting your body? Well, I think it's important to really understand what the study is saying. And what they're saying is that all, not all reinfections are benign. Some reinfections can be severe, and it's better to not be reinfected uh, mm. if you can. Although it's very hard to not get second infections with a virus that's not going anywhere. But what they showed is that in this population, and it's important also to remember that these are veterans, so the median age in the, in the study was in the 60s, and a lot of them had uh, medical problems, is that some reinfections added to the burden of illness, that, it made, that, that there were still severe complications that could occur. And especially in high-risk people, reinfections are something to be avoided. And this really argues for better vaccines and really not taking uh, assuming that every COVID-19 reinfection is just going to be mild, especially if you've got high risk, fa risk factors for severe disease. Yeah, I wasn't sure if because your body's been through it, maybe it's something like you get um, better tolerance to it, right? Or you have, you know, your body's more used to it. Antibodies, I don't know. My my infection I had felt was horrible in December, and I recently got it again, and it was very light. But I'm assuming that's just based on the variant, not me having had it before, or maybe being no, boosted. It, 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 it's probably based. It is probably based on who you are, meaning that you don't have risk factors for severe disease, and your immune system jumped into action pretty quick and made that second version not so bad. But in this study, it's important to remember, you know, you have to ask yourself, am I like the study participants? And you're not like a 60-year-old male, most, mostly male veteran that, that's in that study. So I think it's important that the study, the study has important findings, but it's also important to make sure that you're applying them to similar populations. 
that it's not necessarily mm-hmm. completely generalizable to, to every person. And if you're low risk, a reinfection is not likely to be severe. But if you have risk factors for severe disease, you shouldn't just brush it off and say, I'm going to be fine because I have prior immunity. Right. And I, I, I love that you're saying we have to pick the things that, you know, make sense for us, because, I mean, in this study, they also talk about like non-fatal in, uh, reinfections and how bills are piling up. I what? Why is that such a concern, even for like when we're looking at it, what's happening globally, when we're seeing that? Yeah, the reinfections they're not always ending in deaths like that's also a concern when they're just also non-fatal as well well i think that it's important to think there's a spectrum of illness that COVID 19 causes and not everything is death that there are severe outcomes that 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 stop before death meaning do you get hospitalized again do you develop long covid do you how disruptive is the infection to your day-to-day life all of those are going to be important outcomes and this really is why we need vaccines that are more transmission blocking, vaccines that better match what's circulating or universal coronavirus vaccines. All of that tells us that there's a long tail to this pandemic and that there's still more work to be done to manage it better. OK, so, uh, you know, are cities like this important? I mean, we keep seeing new studies every day. Obviously, we have you to talk about them. What do you what do you see as something that we need to know right now? Like, what are you hoping for from these upcoming studies? Well, I think what we want to see is just more technological advances in how we deal with COVID-19. And I keep coming back to this, but I think we have to start thinking about coronavirus vaccines that are more durable, that don't uh, that, that, that can't be rendered ineffective because of a new variant. That's what these studies that's what they all point to is the need for better tools to deal with COVID-19 because it's not going anywhere. It's always going to be with us as long as there are humans on the earth. There's going to be COVID-19 on the earth. We've got to get better tools because this is a disease that has a, a big burden. And, and for people to, to truly acclimatize to it, to make it less of a worry, we need, we need better tools. All right. Well, thank you so much for joining us to break this down. Um, I, I think we've learned a lot here, and especially in such a short amount of time. So, Dr. Amish, uh, Adalja, thank you so much for being here with us. All right. Coming up, what you could be doing to save yourself five hours each day. Well, I could use some of that uh-huh. next. Are you actually going to do it, though? Let's go there with Shira and Ryan. Channel Q. This guy is sharing his crazy morning routine that could save you five plus hours every day. I know someone who specifically needs this. Oh, because, uh... You. Yeah, I already do all this stuff, unfortunately. Actually, you? Yeah, there's a few of these things that I don't just because of the nature of my work. Unfortunately, everyone's bothering me constantly. But let's move into it. <laughs> Um, so he goes, now because of this, I'm able to work eight plus hours a day with no breaks. Effing heart, he says, not for everyone. I mean... What does he do? Please, tell us. So, uh, he says, cut out the BS. So he's like, focus on the things like you actually need to figure out. And a lot of times we avoid that. He kind of gets into because of like our own emotional stuff. Like, should we actually send that email? Should we start that project so we can get like anxious and we start overthinking? So he was like, cut out the BS. Get your mental focus in check. The big thing, it seems like this is the night before prep. A lot of times when we start our work every day, we kind of spend like probably an hour figuring out where to begin. Right. So he's like, you know, the night before, look at what you or what you want to do the next day. So you have a plan of attack so you can get right into it. These little things like take away 30 minutes or an hour the night before. Typically I do or else I don't have no idea what's happening the day. And that is a mess. Um, uh, And a lot of times I have a lot of work to do in the morning before everything starts. (laughs) So um, not that sometimes it always hits. I definitely do this stuff like I I prepare. Ryan, it's just. No, I'm just saying, we're talking about our experiences. We're talking about our experiences. Now, I don't know if one of us is telling the truth in this room. What is this like? Because I work with you. A lie detector test? I'm just saying, I work with you. And so I wonder. Well, this is what it also says, which seems like I don't do. Cut out distraction. Keep the phone out of the room. Wow. And it says, stay stay in a room. And if the door's closed, tell no one to bother you. (laughs) <laughs> so he goes in my house like See, I, I guess do that. he works from home well you live alone 
Um, I just tell so her, don't bother me. Yeah. <laughs> and that's where you give her some of the... Yeah, the little you good know, stuff. Yeah, the good stuff. <laughs> so, yeah, that is also the issue. I have a housemate. And, you know, I, I try to be nice and cordial in the morning. But, you know, even little things like that, that could be like... Over time, those five-minute conversations yeah. add up to like 30 minutes or an just, hour of your time. I think the real way to be able to do something like this as we wrap this up is understanding how much you can actually balance to- and, and, and handle. And do. Your time management. Because totally. if you can't do it all, stop trying to make it all happen. Because then you start letting down people. Then you start letting down yourself. Yeah. And then you start just, you know, getting overwhelmed. And then, like, you you know, it just doesn't help the process of you growing and trying to get everything done. Figure out what's a priority and be realistic so, about your schedule. Yeah, the one thing I do also is uh, check unnecessary messages. Like, brainstorming. I mean, I'm the master of that. That's actually what I love doing. That's the problem is like that the day um most of the times you just don't have the time to do it of and course. so yeah prioritizing and figuring out what you need to do making a list of 15 things maybe versus 30 or, hey how about five maybe let's start with five get those things done so you can check that article out on medium.com now by prince singh really interesting stuff next up we've got more top of the hour news and why rick martin has a restraining order against him coming up in the t report Let's go there with Shira and Ryan. Channel Q. Call from mom. Answer it. Call silenced. Instacart knows nothing gets between you and the game. That's why they make ordering from your couch easy. Stock up today and get all your groceries for the week delivered in as fast as 30 minutes without missing a minute of the game. You have 47 new voicemails. Download the app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. Selling a little or a lot? Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage, to the first real-life store stage, all the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage. Shopify is here to help you grow. Whether you're selling scented soap or offering outdoor outfits, Shopify helps you sell everywhere. From their all-in-one e-commerce platform to their in-person POS system. Wherever and whatever you're selling, Shopify has got you covered. Shopify helps you turn browsers into buyers with the internet's best converting checkout. 15% better on average compared to other leading commerce platforms. And sell more with less effort thanks to Shopify Magic, your AI-powered all-star. Shopify powers 10% of all e-commerce in the U.S. And Shopify is the global force behind Allbirds, Rothy's, and Brooklinen, and millions of other entrepreneurs of every size across 175 countries. Plus, Shopify's award-winning 24-7 help is there to support your success every step of the way. Because businesses that grow, grow with Shopify. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash odyssey podcast all lowercase go to shopify.com slash odyssey podcast now to grow your business no matter what stage you're in shopify.com slash odyssey podcast this episode is brought to you by progressive insurance whether you love true crime or comedy celebrity interviews or news you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue and guess what now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the name your price tool from progressive it works just the way it sounds you tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Yeah, welcome back to the show. Hope you're having a great day and hanging out with us. Same. We're enjoying it and enjoying mm-hmm. that great music on Channel Q. Don't worry, we got more to come, let me tell you. But right now, we're getting into more show. We're going to help you stay informed and entertained all at once. You know, many gay men are being impacted by monkeypox. So we have an NBC reporter on to chat with us about some of those living with the virus. And we're also talking about. Change the name. Yeah. I just really don't like the name of monkeypox. No, not poor monkeys. I just don't like the name. It is an intense name. Uh, we're also talking about dating in a COVID world and how to date when it feels like everyone forgot forgot how to, you know? And I think this is for everyone, for those in relationship or single. Let's get into some what's trending this hour, though, right now. UK Prime Minister 
Boris Johnson is having a hard time. He is fighting for his political survival after a number of high-profile resignations are shaking the foundations of his government. A lot of people are also asking him to quit. And it involves um, Chris Pincher, former government, uh, government minister who recently resigned after being accused of groping two men, as well as Johnson admitting to meeting with former KBG officer in private. So there's not just a few resignations. There were 30 that were submitted to the government since Tuesday. Wow. It's like literally falling apart. And here's what MP Darren Jones had to say about Johnson. Because I made a joke there, but in all sincerity, and I know this must be difficult for you personally, but this isn't funny. It's not a game. People are struggling across the country. I'm just finished. It's not brave for you to carry on doing this. I think, in my view, you're hurting the country, Prime Minister. Just on a very human level, surely yeah. you must know that it's in the country's interest for you to leave now, isn't it? I, I, <laughs> I mean, we know what happened Everyone's when, been when we tried to do that with the president in this country. I mean, and they're basically doppelgangers. Yeah, like a stubborn president or a prime minister in this case is not going to just like listen, even if everything's falling apart around him. He, you know, a lot of times they have the confidence, the narcissism, of course, to just deny the realities of what's happening. Well, and then, of course, hold the, on until it's the over. systems are set up. It's yeah, it makes it easy for them to bypass all these, you know, moments that they're, yeah. you know, being asked to it, step down. Yeah, it, it takes it's uh, it takes a certain person to be able to do that and resign. I don't think Boris Johnson is that person. We'll see. Now, new rules proposed by the Biden administration uh, would make it easier for borrowers to get their federal student debt forgiven through several existing programs. The action is intended to overhaul relief programs that have been criticized for their really intense paperwork requirements and long processing times. It builds on the administration's efforts to expand targeted debt cancellation for certain borrowers, while President Biden considers broader student debt forgiveness which a lot of people are waiting for. It's unlikely to open debt forgiveness to a huge amount of borrowers, but it's meant to make it easier for those who already qualify. So the Education Department plans to finalize these rules no later than July 1st, 2023. Mm. And finally, all five Republican candidates for Michigan governor debated uh, this past week, just over a month before the Republican primary, and they had plenty to say about the LGBTQ plus community, including a call for the United States Supreme Court to reopen the door to state level bans on marriage equality allowed under the landmark 2015 ruling. So one of the candidates, Garrett Soldano, expressed support for same sex unions in the debate, but wished same sex marriages were referred to differently because of his Catholic faith traditions definition of marriage. Candidate Ryan Kelly called for the court to reconsider marriage equality as a right for Americans, saying they need to revisit it all. Give the power back to the states. I can't. I'm like, stop. All right. Um, so that was what's trending this hour. What's happening in entertainment news? Did you know Ricky Martin was going through a restraining order right now? No. It's time for the Tea Report. I was so in Those love pop with culture Ricky, stories Ricky trending right Martin. now. When I was younger. Really? In what way? Like, did you have a picture on your wall? My friend Natalie did. Oh, Natalie. Yeah, now she's friends with him. Oh. Which Look is at that manifestation. Full, full circle uh, moment. I don't think I, like, but I was definitely, like, I thought, I listened to the music, and I just was, like, really into him. Like, I, I would follow. I just, I crushed. Well, I don't know if you're going to be into him after I tell you this news. Oh. So, July 2nd, a restraining order was filed against him under Puerto Rico's domestic violence law. According to the AP, the quote, uh, the order prohibits Martin from contacting or calling the person who filed it and that a judge will later determine at a hearing whether the order should remain in place or be lifted. He added that usually orders are implemented for at least a month. Um, And then, of course, the person who filed it is being kept a secret. Now, Martin reacted to the restraining order on social media. The singer tweeted out this on July 3rd. Protection order entered against me is based on completely false allegations, so I will respond through the judicial process with the facts and the dignity that characterize me. He said, because it is an ongoing legal matter, I cannot make detailed statements at this time. I am grateful for the countless messages of solidarity, and I receive them with all my heart. Now, just a few days ago, uh, on June 29th specifically, 
Ricky Martin had been hit with a $3 million lawsuit from his ex-manager, Rebecca Drunker, for alleged unpaid commissions. Mm. Now, in her filing, Rebecca made reference to a particular incident from September 2020 where Martin was allegedly threatened with a, quote, potentially uh, potentially career-ending allegation. Now, according to this... Uh-oh. Um, according to Rebecca, Martin was able to stay, quote, unscathed and continue with his professional resurgence due to her guidance during that situation. Now, I guess she wants to be paid for that help. And there's no direct connection between the claim made by Rebecca and her filing and their straining order um, at the moment. Um, however, there was clearly a very short period of time between both of these circumstances happening in Martin's life. Wow, he's going through it. Yeah, it seems like it. Wow. He's saying that, yeah, it, it's false, those allegations. He's going through due process, but I mean, not and good. then that, dealing with this whole lawsuit, I mean, wow. Mm. And the fact that she was hired to, like, quiet some stuff. Like, mm-hmm. what is she saying? I don't know. That's your tea report, though. We got more coming up next hour. Stick around for it. Shake your, what was the song? Shake your name. I don't know. It doesn't shake seem your, like you were that big of a fan. Shake your, no. They don't even have it. Shake your bonbon. That's what I thought, and I was like, that can't be it. Shake your bonbon, shake your bonbon. That's the song. I think you should let Ricky (laughs) sing it from now on. What's coming up next? Okay. um, Gay men with monkeypox are sharing their stories. We have an NBC reporter joining us with more next. Let's go there with Shira and Ryan. Channel Q. There's been almost 7,000 confirmed monkeypox cases in the global outbreak, and the vast majority have occurred among gay, bisexual, and other men who have sex with men. Now, Benjamin Ryan, an NBC News reporter, actually talked to some men about their experiences, and he joins us now. Thanks for being here. Great to be on again. Uh, So tell us more about what you learned about what they're going Mm -hmm. through through your story. Yeah, well, first of all, you know, I talked to a lot of guys who, you know, very impressively had a strong sense of duty, really in keeping with a long tradition amongst gay men of advocating for public health. They really wanted to see healthcare providers as for no other reason to make sure that public health was aware of their infection. Uh, but they ran into a lot of walls. They'd make calls. They'd, nobody knew what to do. They couldn't reach the right person in the health department. You know, they couldn't get tested promptly. And this was a real problem because research suggests that you can use the vaccine, it's called the Genios vaccine, um, after exposure to monkeypox, if in within four days you can hopefully prevent the condition, and within five to 14 days of exposure, you could possibly mitigate symptoms. So despite their better efforts to work with contact tracing and get tested, these men are trying to let their close contacts know about their condition so they could possibly get this vaccine and prevent or reduce symptoms. And the clock would just run out because the whole system was just so slow. Yeah. Were any of the men concerned about the ways these stories were being told in the public and how Mm -hmm. the stigma could, like, impact Mm -hmm. their lives, especially with them living with it? I think one of the things they really want to do, a lot of these guys I talk to, is to own the narrative themselves. So a lot of men have really just gone out there on social media. They're telling their stories. And they really feel if they can get out front and just put a human face on it, that they can fight stigma that way. And on the contrary, some of them felt that there just hasn't been enough emphasis on how predominantly this outbreak has been amongst gay, bisexual, and other men with sex with men, and really a feeling that this community has a right to know what's going on and to know that all the mechanics of how this is transmitting and what, it, how, what kind of impact it's having on our community. What are some of the symptoms that they're talking about or just um, mm. what they're going through? Right. So it's hard to know because there could be variances. Not everybody's going to have the same, but some of the symptoms include flu-like symptoms, um, you know, headache, fever, chills, body aches, that kind of thing. There could be a rash. And then there's sort of the telltale lesions. At first, they might look like a little ingrown hair. One guy thought he had an ingrown hair. might look like a little pimple. Then you might see more of them across the body. It might be more obvious. Um, and in most cases, reports have said they tend to be mild. Um, but I talked to quite a few guys, and this, this could be a byproduct of people with severe cases are more interested in talking to me, mind you. But they would say, yeah, I had a, I had a mild presentation across my skin, across my body of these lesions. But in the anal or genital area, they'd have a severe case and they're experiencing severe pain when going to the bathroom. And some men have even gone to the hospital just to seek treatment for pain for this condition. It tends to be maybe less than one in 10 men, but in some men it can really have a very painful manifestation. 
Wow. And I mean, we, it's, yeah. I feel like it's really shocking to hear that kind of healthcare hasn't really caught up to, mm-hmm. to, to what's going on right now, especially after living through COVID-19 and even HIV before. Yeah. So in what ways, I know you spoke to, or there was a spokesperson that you quoted in your story for the New York City Department of Health and Mental Hygiene. What are they doing to get on top of this right now? Well, I know the CDC, you know, has been issuing guidance, trying to educate providers. But yeah, healthcare providers across the country, you'd be hard-pressed to find one who's got much experience or any experience with this condition. So guys, you know, they show up at the ER, you know, just looking for care, looking for diagnosis, and they'd have to sit there alone for hours. Everyone's looking at them funny. You know, I, there were some stigmatizing attitudes. One guy, there was a man in the room with him, and the guy went out in the hall, started whispering with this nurse. And the nurse was like, are you, you know, effing me? You know, this real stigmatizing attitude, like there's this old dirty case, you know, in our hospital. Um, but other people, you know, said they were delighted. They had very non-stigmatizing care. No one judged them for their sexual practices, that kind of thing. So, you know, it, it does vary. But in general, yeah, there was talk about uh, one hospital, the doctors are Googling what to do. Um, hopefully, you know, in the coming weeks and months, this will improve as doctors become aware that they are going to start seeing these, especially, you know, in urban areas with high populations of gay men. Yeah. Do you feel like they are, um, you know, sensitive to it and dealing with the community mm-hmm. in the right way? That's always been an issue in terms of uh, the medical uh, professional community, right? Some of them yeah. have their own biases, et cetera. It's hard for me to say, you know, I haven't really talked to yeah. many practitioners. One thing I can say, you know, watching, I've been on all these press calls with the World Health Organization, with the CDC, and so many different of these different health officers are so invested in this. I've been, I really, frankly, have been very impressed. Um, you know, it, it's of no concern to them who these people are, what they do, you know, in their spare time, you know, what their sexual orientation yeah. is. And on the contrary, they're, in fact, even more concerned because they know there's history discrimination against this population. Yeah. So they've just come out with guns blaring, saying we will not tolerate stigma. We're going to fight it. That's such an important part of public health because they know from history that stigmatizing a health condition, whatever it may be throughout history, leprosy in the Middle Ages, HIV in the last four decades, stigma only harms public health. It drives people underground. They don't seek care. So they know that 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 just you know, it's it's counterproductive, if nothing else, as well as just being harmful to people's lives to be stigmatizing. That, that is good to hear, considering mm-hmm. how um, yeah. some other parts of this country are dealing with health matters. Uh, well, mm-hmm. thank you again for joining us. That was Benjamin Ryan, yeah, thanks for talking. A, a longtime science reporter and contributor to NBC News. Have a great rest of your day. Thanks. Bye. Bye. OK, from um, this topic, we're now moving into uh, dating. Right, yeah, Ryan. Yeah, we're talking about how to date, you know, in a in a pandemic world. You know, we got some advice on how to get back into the game. I'm still trying oh. to figure it all out. But how to date when it feels like everyone forgot how to date. Conversation coming up next. Let's go there with Shira and Ryan. Channel Q. Okay, so I love this article from Box.com because the first sentence about it, literally, one, it's titled, How to Date When It Feels Like Everyone Forgot How to Date. And then the first sentence... <laughs> Yeah, is not to make me nothing makes me want to date less than listening to my friends talk about how dating is going and hashtag mm-hmm. relatable. I think dating more than ever now is just like, ugh. I feel it's, like you're having fun these days, more fun than you. It have just had. recently happened. I don't know what it is, to be honest. Like, I feel like um, I kind of entered a space where I just stopped trying Oh. And I feel like... You let go a bit. You you got softer on the edges. Well, I don't know. To be honest, I feel like it just kind of sort of happened by itself because I was working. I've been working a ton. I mean, Pride Month is super busy. It's not like I had a a lot going on. I mean, I had a lot going on. Then I was traveling. And of course, you know, you have like the little one-offs. But like, I don't know. I feel like my experience with even traveling abroad and then even... Feeling like, oh, wow, people view me differently than here in the States. You know uh, what I mean? So it kind of g- gave you perspective and maybe a bit more confidence. I mean, it most definitely, it That's most why definitely it felt is like imp- you, got, you, know, you got your groove back you know out what? there. That's why it is important to travel and go outside your bubble. Yeah, but it also was a reminder of how like stuck in this mind frame that we are in here yeah. in the States. And I think for me... Coming back, I kind of just like was like, uh, 
I do want to do it, but I also probably am not going to get the same amount of attention that I got when I was overseas. And then, you know, it feels like that's kind of been proving me wrong. Like, life has been proving me wrong in some mm. sorts. And so I wonder, I mean, you started dating your man in the pandemic, right? Yeah, which is interesting. You weren't because- even trying to. Uh, no, it's always that moment where I'm finally enjoying being single, then I meet someone. <laughs> it's always like, well, I have that tension. How long were you single before? Ken? I was single for a year, a year and a half. Yeah, that's what I Yeah, so year you and a half. Typically, I, I ha- I'm like the year and a half single mark. Because what happens is the first six months is like me grieving the person that I was with. And I'm like doing dumb stuff. And then I realize I need to stop doing dumb stuff. And then I kind of start dating What's dumb more. stuff to you? Hugging up people that probably are a waste of time. Yeah, I, I mean, remember. and the, yeah. Shout out to the. And then milk, there's other people that the I milk was, guy. Uh the what? The milk guy. He got us all free milk. Oh, is that the name of that store? The cookies and oh, the that that was one of the okay. Yeah, that was yeah, one that of was, the mistakes. I got some snacks from someone <laughs> delivered. Um, and then the other part of it is like, okay, I'm gonna more like not just hook up but date people and then still those people are kind of like the wrong people but like they're kind of on the edge of being right (laughs) and then that still brings up anxiety because you're like wanting to make it work but it's not supposed to work and then on the other side of that there's like layers this is like an onion and then I literally remember every guy you're talking about as you're saying and then on the other side of it is finally like okay no I actually get to like really work on myself and there's a bit of anxiety in that and then finally, you're like, okay, now I'm like finally out out of the energy suck, the yeah. dark hole of this whole but thing. But it's hard for you to find a guy, though. Like that's the, that's also something about like cis, like straight people. I feel like oh no, it's you, not that I, I hard so for many y'all to women, find somebody. Sorry, I meet so many straight women that are having that still have so much trouble. Like they, but they are routinely are people that have unfortunately like. They are are single for many years and they, um, or uh, I have a friend, actually someone, maybe she's talked about this, Nadia G, she's been on our show. Okay, yeah. She was in a lot of back-to-back relationships and then she kind of went through like, uh, she sobered up and actually now she hasn't been in a relationship for a long time. That also hits, including with the pandemic, you changed. Does she want to be one? Oh no, after, she realized how crappy everyone was, right? (laughs) So I think that there, you know, um. It, it is it is difficult though because I I do know when when you're dating you either are stuck meeting people that are not meant to be and there's a reason why they're not meant to be but it just yeah. sucks right even now like how I've 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 redownloaded like certain apps mm-hmm. and I feel like I've even changed how I navigate on those apps like one of the the advice that they give in this article is be communicative about what you want uh-huh. and I feel like I've been starting to be more intentional about. Even the people that I swipe right on and even in those conversations about what do we want to talk about? Like, what are we talking about here? Like, mm. I, I met a guy at my uh, on the Fortune of Lie at, um, at my pool. Yeah. And literally, I asked him yesterday when we were texting, like, okay, so what are your thoughts about monogamy and open relationships? Like, what are your thoughts about it? He yeah. was like, oh, you're getting right into it. He was like, respect. And I'm like, yeah, because I want to know. Like, I want to understand where people's heads are at and where people are wanting to go and how we're going to navigate these things if we have things in common of how we think. And I don't know. I used to be afraid of that. I used to be like, okay, if I give someone my true thoughts and, oh, my God, they're already interested in me now. What if they're not interested in me as soon as I give it? you want to find that out I know, but I used to think about that in a different way. Because usually... It was a scarcity thing. Yeah, it's also a validation thing. Like you're scared of being rejected. I At least you're learning that a bit earlier on like because I ended up falling in relationships, I didn't learn that lesson until I was like in my late thirties mm. because I I wasn't forced to confront that because I was just meeting people, so it was okay. Yeah. But then in between meeting people, I would you know, just like everyone, it's like we want we all want to be accepted, and so it would be scary to show up as who you really are. One, you need to fully accept yourself and know who you are to show up like that. But it's also different for I. It's inherently different for like yeah, yeah. gay folks or oh, queer yeah, folks. Like sure. it's it's such a different experience just because like I feel like specifically for cis gay men, you're already in this environment where unfortunately you have to fit into a certain mold or you have to fit into like all of these different pockets and it and people aren't coming into the space 
you know, all the time wanting to be in like, you know, whether it's monogamous relationships or looking for more, or like, you know, you can literally be hit up by someone or swipes right on someone on Bumble and find out they're in a whole relationship and you're like connecting with this person. But no, guess what? There's no way you're going to make this work because they are in an open relationship. They're already in a relationship. They're just looking to have some fun. Yeah. Which is sad, I think at know? least they're honest about that. I think sometimes it's just how And sometimes on the other side, they do all that, and you don't even find out. You yeah, don't who know. Was that, who was that guy you were talking about that um, you went to, like, it was one of the conventions things, that oh. he was telling you that he was in an open yeah. relationship. I don't a know. polyamorous marriage. Boo, I don't believe him. There's something, <laughs> about a you cis, and... there's something about a cis straight man telling you <laughs> That's not fair. that they are in a polyamorous that relationship. That's not fair. Call up, their, call up your partner. and, and, and you know, it, I already did. I told him that story. Please. And, and he, he was like... That is such BS. He's like he was testing your boundaries. That's Who? what he thought. This person, my my par- my boyfriend said this person was oh, testing my boundaries. No, and seriously, because he was like, would he bring that up if I was around? Probably not. Or if like his part his partner was there. Mm-hmm. And so, listen, you don't know unless you know, right? And maybe like in the future, I'll get to know this person. We'll all hang out, and like he's still talking about that. I'm like, oh, I judged you, right? You just don't know. Why do you go into that space being so... I mean, there's a little bit of a naivety about it. Why? Do you like just to be in that space or would you rather be I'd rather be open to, to, I don't know, like feeling into my own instincts of what I feel. I think that with that person, it was a 50-50 shot. He was telling the truth. Right? Like, I actually Oh, I thought you meant a 50-50 shot that you were going to give him (laughs) (laughs) some. Like, now hold on. No, because wow. I think if you go in with all these assumptions, like ready to like kind of on defense, it like it stops you from actually being open to like really awesome people. No, it, but you also have to keep your like a little bit of your I guard trust up. me. I it's not that I have a guard. I have more like my I have a detector. I have good radar. Okay. I have good radar. There's always like a reason why I meet someone and there's a reason why they stay in my life or they leave my life. So that's what all I'm saying. That's all I'm saying. <laughs> All right, well, say what's coming so up So I don't next. know if we got the uh, answer to how to date when it feels like everyone forgot to date. No. But I guess just... just That's just like our experiences. Be open uh, and work on yourself and put yourself out there. Well, next up, oh, one couple who definitely did this. They met on Tinder. We'll tell you what happened and how they got their way to finally getting married. Let's go there with Shira and Ryan. Channel Q. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash recommend today. Odyssey is giving you a chance to win a trip to London to see Taylor Swift at the Eras Tour. It's Tay in the UK. Hey, it's Taylor. Just download the free Odyssey app, log in and listen to a participating station for a minimum of 60 minutes to get your daily entry. And you could win a chance to fly off to London with three friends and see Taylor. I can't wait to see you at the Eras Tour in London. For more, go to odyssey.com slash Taylor. Tay in the UK. It's on the Odyssey app. Thanks to Republic Records. This is a national contest. Now imagine meeting on Tinder and being stuck in a transatlantic relationship that's very long distance throughout the entire pandemic. Well, this is what happened to this one couple who met, yes, during the pandemic and kept their relationship going 3,000 miles apart and they finally met. I mean, this is like just so rom-com. I feel like once we came out of the pandemic, um, everyone is in their rom-com phase, you know? (laughs) Because I think they're trying to figure out dating. And then of course, when we're now in person with each other, everyone wants the romance. Everyone does, everyone deserves. I got picked up at an airport. I mean, come on, you're living it. I'm Drew Barrymore. Come on. So these two, uh, one one was in Canada. And the other was in uh, London. And so, yeah, they just kept it going and they just got married. That is They made wild. it work. I mean, my only thing is I'm not into long distance relationships. I don't think I could ever see myself in one. What about you? 
I mean, I'm in one right now. No, the person's, you know, a few highways away. Get away. That is not long distance. Long distance <laughs> it feels is like 3,000 miles or more. Or 1,000 miles or more or a different state. Like, that's what categorizes yeah. long distance relationships. And, and you know what? What I go through is hard enough. I think it can be really hard because you start just living your life apart, right? Yeah. Um, you know, you can't be on FaceTime for hours every day. Why not? You obviously do your date nights and everything. Yeah. But I think it can be very challenging. Well, I think it's I think what's challenging really about it is the details. Because you want you can't update them on like all the details because if they're not here when you come home and you can kind of you know, unpack your day with them, then it's like what do you tell them over text message? What do you tell them over the phone? Like, what do you tell them in those moments? And so I think that can be really difficult when you're thinking about a long-distance relationship. Like, I feel like it's always better to have someone in your same, like, space when you're dating because mm-hmm. then you could come home and be like, oh, my God, you will not believe what Suzanne did at work today. You can really, like, talk about it versus, like, I don't know, for some reason in text message form, I just feel like, or in FaceTime form, it's just not the same. But people adjust. Sometimes it can be for, you know, some people. Clearly, this couple work. If some people can make it work, they can make it work. I I give you a lot of flowers for that, right? You You deserve. I still can't believe you think you're in a long-distance relationship. You know, we all have what a a long-distance relationship means Literally 40 minutes away. An hour (laughs) and 15. He's like 40 minutes away. It's long enough where you can't just drive, right? Uh, If you just need to hang out quickly. (laughs) Have a quickie. A quickie is no longer a quickie. Anyway, well, next up, an actress we all know and love has come out about her addiction to opioids and alcohol and her advice for others suffering after this. Let's go there with Shira and Ryan. Channel Q. Well, we are back. Stick around for more music coming up right here on Channel Q. Right now, let's get into some more show. White House Communications Director Kate Benningfield plans to depart in late July, according to administration officials. She is a longtime top aide to President Joe Biden, was his communications director when he served as vice president under Barack Obama, and became his deputy campaign man- manager for communications during his winning bid for president in 2020. So the White House aides are saying that Benningfield, who has also worked in corporate public relations, is leaving to spend more time with her husband and two young children. Oh, wow. Yeah, but she is expected to continue to support the administration from the outside. It's not clear who's going to take over her role. Yeah, you know, I think it's about it's a, it's at we're at the point now where we're going to start seeing a lot of transition happening yeah. in the administration. I don't think it's because of anything. It's just people being a part of the White House, especially I know someone who is at currently a part of this administration. It's exhausting. Like people, uh, yeah, are, you can't do it for what more? And there's like not, two years. Yeah, I think. and there's not a lot of money in it. Like you know, it's mm-hmm. it's just a lot of time. Gives you some perspective. Like for you're like sure. maybe I need a break right now. Yeah. <laughs> right. Now, um, a woman sentenced for killing her abuser as a teen, as a teen, sorry, has been pardoned by Governor Gavin, uh, Gavin Newsom. When Sarah Cruzen was 16, she shot and killed the man who she says had abused her and trafficked her for sex since she was 13. So 30 years later, she has been pardoned by California Governor Gavin Newsom. In 1995, because of this, she was actually sentenced to life without the possibility of parole for first-degree murder, plus a four-year consecutive firearm enhancement after being tried as an adult. So since then, she has become an advocate for policy reform, protecting sex trafficking victims, and ending juvenile life without parole sentencing nationwide. And she's finally going to see her freedom. So this is um, a really amazing move from Newsom. And uh, Newsom also said this in a statement. She's provided evidence that she's living an upright life and has demonstrated her fitness for restoration of civic rights and responsibilities. And finally, the Biden administration is trying to help foreign makers of baby formula stay on the U.S. market for the long term in an effort to diversify the industry after, of course, the biggest closure of a large of a large domestic plant. That sparked a nationwide shortage. We don't want that to happen again. No. The FDA announced today plans to help overseas producers that have sent supplies to the U.S. under emergency approval to address the shortfall. And they want to secure long-term authorization to market their formula in the U.S. So we don't have to rely on others, possibly, you know. So the agency will provide a way for producers to temporarily sell in the U.S. and meet existing regulatory requirements so they can stay on the market. So hopefully this won't happen again. 
That was what's trending this hour. What's happening in entertainment news, Ryan? Okay, so an actress that I grew up with. I mean, if you are familiar with the show called Heroes, then you know this queen. And then, of course, like, Bring It On. I think it was, like, Bring It On with, like, Solange, though. Um, Hayden Panettiere. Um, she is actually revealing that she was addicted to alcohol and opioids for years. Oh, wow. She's um, really opening up about her substance abuse in interviews with people in Good Morning America, revealing her addiction started when she was just... 15. Um, Hayden, who shot to fame at the tender age of five while starring in various soap operas and, of course, like I said, some really incredible shows and movies, she said members of her team began giving her, quote, happy pills when she was only 15. According to the actress, the pills were meant to make her peppy during interviews, but they ultimately sparked a years-long drug abuse battle. She admit, uh, admits that she was abusing opioids and alcohol while she was filming the show Nashville, if you don't know, previously that was, that on was Nashville. That actually recent. That's, not, that's a, just a few years ago. Well, it's actually been a while since Nashville's oh, been Oh, really? Yeah. Oh, my God. I'm losing track um, of time. So basically, you know, she was using while filming that show and said she uh, reached a stage where she almost couldn't live without them. Now, she did give birth to her daughter, Kaya, who is now seven in 2014 and battled postpartum depression, which made her drug and alcohol addiction even worse. Her relationship with her, um, the baby's father began to fall apart as a result of her addictions, and they ultimately split, uh, split up after nine years together. In 2018, she did make the heartbreaking decision to send her daughter Kaya to live with her father, uh, the the you know the daughter's father yeah. in the Ukraine, so that she could focus on seeking treatment. Wow, the Ukraine. Yeah, you know her um her like her baby daddy is basically like the brother of like the president of the Ukraine. Whoa. Yeah, he fought. That too. is wild. Yeah, I know. It's all. It's so wild how you meet people and it just randomly happens. Yep. Um. And uh, yeah, she talks about a lot in this interview, but we don't have time to talk about it at all. Um, head over to WeAreChannelQ.com, and that is your tea report. I have more coming up next hour. Well, next up, how young is too young to teach sex education? Why this Washington State School Board director is making headlines next. Let's go there with Shira and Ryan. Channel Q. What kind of sex education would you be okay with for children as young as nine? Well, let's get into this story. Okay. A Washington State School Board director who owns a sex shop, meaning she's an expert, is making headlines after announcing she will teach sex education classes for children as young as nine on topics like sexual anatomy for pleasure and safer sex practices for all kinds of sexual Her activities. store name is super cute. It's called Wink Wink Boutique. Ooh. Like, wink Wink. Love it. It's cute. That's a cute name. So how young is too young for stuff like this? I'll preface, this was on NY Post, who tends to be very clickbaity and, like, I would say on the right-leaning side. So they're trying to, like, use this as a way to teach, like, show, oh, these people are well, taking over and, like, showing sex to our youth. And well, everything. she did do an interview saying the class is for 9- to 12-year-olds, and, and it's an introduction to topics related to relationships, puberty, bodies, and sexuality. We focus on what makes healthy versus unhealthy oh. friendships and romantic relationships, the signs of how puberty works, consent, and personal boundaries, defining sex, and discussing why people may or may not choose to engage in sexual activities. Here's the thing. I remember around that age is when I started to have sexual feelings when yeah. it came to, like, experiencing what puberty was and like all these things i you know i hope this class is inclusive but because of the way you know we're seeing our government and republicans really attack the inclusivity of sexual ed it's probably not happening um i don't mind this personally it's I mean, important I'm not a for- parent, but i think this is a, this is so important to have these particular conversations that she is doing like they acted though, like they're like teaching positions and like how to get off and like all this. It's not like you know you're going into a porn class. They're teaching things that you should know, yeah. so you could approach this in a safe way. And also, consent is really important. A lot of times, mm-hmm. young people get stuck in horribly abusive situations they don't know how to talk about it or approach it because no one's talked to them about this yeah. so it's very it, they well, have a lot of shame condemned, we've condemned yeah, being exactly. sexual in this country and republicans or conservatives are really uh you know i i think 
as a parent, I think you have the, you should have the right to say, oh, I, I don't want my child to learn this just yet, or I want to have the conversations. But if you're just completely outright ignoring it and then saying that you don't want your child to be involved in it altogether, and then guess what? Down the line, your child is someone who could turn into a predator or someone who is just awkward and doesn't know their body. Like, all or these things they, can happen. they get attacked Or they get attacked, yeah. right? You know, like, and, there's so many things that can yeah. happen because of the silence that, you know, unfortunately, that this country, the lines have been blurred between church and state. This country doesn't, you know, religion is a huge part of this, and they feel like you shouldn't have sex before religion, you know, marriage and all these things. But it's just like, is that realistic? Uh, and children should be able, not children, but like nine to 12 years, that's preteen time. Y'all should be able to have those conversations because they're definitely. already having them. And if you're scared of someone else having them, well, then it's probably because you're too scared to have them yourself. And they're already having them. The internet is a place yeah, where it's exactly. happening. Exactly. They're aware, they're watching movies. Yeah. And so they're going to discover it for themselves or get someone who's a professional to answer their questions. No, for real. It's, it's really interesting. Okay, well, next up on the show, Brad Pitt is revealing a condition he has to the world. More next. Let's go there with Shira and Ryan. Channel Q. What's up? Welcome back to the show. More music coming up right here on Channel Q. Let's get into some what's trending this hour, though, right now. The Highland Park shooter, Robert Cremo, admitted to investigators he fired at a crowd at the July 4th parade. He will remain in jail without bond. Law enforcement said that the suspect considered carrying out another attack in Madison, Wisconsin, with another weapon in his car. And here is Christopher Cavelli, deputy chief of the Lake County Sheriff's Office. Don't have information to suggest he planned on driving to Madison initially to commit another attack. We do believe that he was driving around following the first attack and saw the celebration. When he got to Madison, did something deter him from attacking, or did he appear to make a decision himself to not attack? Indications are that he hadn't put enough thought and research into it. Have you talked to the female witness you were looking for yesterday, and what did you learn? We have not been able to locate her yet. Do you know anything about the affinities of the numbers 4, 7, and what the significance is of that? It apparently comes from uh, music that he's interested in. Ah, yeah, I can't believe he was able just to purchase those weapons. He legally. purchased like four weapons, like yeah. three at once, and then he bought another one yeah. in 2021. It's wild. Yeah. Now, a judge in El Salvador sentenced a woman to 50 years in prison after she suffered an obstetric emergency and lost her fetus in the nine month of pregnancy. She was found guilty of a homicide. Yeah. I think this is what people are very worried about, obviously, in a place like this, if we could get to the extreme. The sentencing last week of... Uh, this woman who was 19 when her pregnancy ended, it appears to be the harshest ever handed down in El Salvador to a woman suspected of trying to abort her pregnancy. So it's really sad. Um, activists say that she suffered this emergency at home in June 2020. And she said when she sat down on her toilet, she lost the fetus. She didn't realize she was pregnant. After family members called 911 to get help, the police arrived and took her to the hospital. She was detained shortly after on suspicion of murder. And released after two years in preventative detention. Really unfortunate. Now, the National LGBT Chamber of Commerce and the global online food uh, delivery company Grubhub will continue a $2.1 million grant program they began last year to provide financial support to struggling LGBTQ plus owned and ally restaurants and bars through 2022 and 2023. In a statement, Nelson, um, who is the Chamber President Justin Nelson said last year's program provided nearly 2.1 million in grants to more than 100 LGBTQ plus and allied restaurants in 2021. At the time the program was announced last year, organizers said the grants would range 5,000 to 100,000 for qualifying restaurants. So that's uh, really exciting stuff and definitely much needed even now as we move on from the pandemic in this next stage of it. That was What's Trending This Hour, What's Happening in Entertainment News. Oh my God, so I think I just found the first thing that I relate to Brad Pitt on. Okay. It's time for the T-Report, those pop culture stories trending right now. So, lost in a crowd, Brad Pitt recently opened up about his unique struggle to remember people's faces. An experience he thinks is bought on by an actual diagnosis called um, prospagnosia. He says, nobody believes me. Um, the interview uh, interviewer that was he was talking to back in August, um, or for the August 2022 GQ cover, basically they revealed that their spouse suffers from the same condition. And he was like, oh my God, I want to meet another person who has this. So 
Apparently, he hasn't received an official diagnosis, but he's like, he has face blindness and has led him to wonder whether people consider him to be remote and aloof, inaccessible and self-absorbed. He said no matter how hard he tries to remember names and faces and uh, pros. Prognosia often impacts people from birth, but some patients have experienced it after suffering strokes and other things. So, do you think he's actually this, or is he just like not remembering anyone's name? Because I feel like it. That's you just mean that. face? Yeah, face. I feel like you're either a face person or a name person. I am For a me, face person. I'm. I remember faces. Can't do names. Don't remember names. Won't ever do a name. Uh, I really try, and I get too scared to ask for the name. And the thing is, you could see it on my face. <laughs> I'm the worst. I'll be like, yeah, great. Oh, great to see you. Or then you know what happens is they'll I'll see that they remember me. I'll be like, when's the last time I saw you again? <laughs> that is, I've seen you actually do that in person. <laughs> yes. And it's like, it's one of those things where it's very smooth. Like you just kind of do it. But then I'm like, sure, I don't know who this person is. I know. Like, you know literally has no clue but the who thing this is, someone... And she'll be like, hmm, that name sounds familiar. Yeah, but the thing is, just... everything, it does. That happened to me yesterday on the phone. Um, someone's like, yeah, it's so great to reconnect with you. And I'm like, wait, when's the last time I saw you? She's like, oh, at VCon in Minneapolis two months ago. And I was like, she's like, I was that person. I was like, oh, I wasn't connecting the dots because I didn't know your phone number and all that. Yeah, excuse excuses. excuses. Let us know if this is something that happens to you at LGT Show everywhere on social media. We'd love to have you involved. Um, of course, we are ChannelQ.com for all more stories that we cover. What's coming up? Well, we're wrapping up the show as we always do with our Yaz Queen of this day. Yeah. Yes, Queen. This one goes to the first trans woman in Mayor Scott of Baltimore's cabinet, London Smith de Richelieu. Um, oh, come yes. on, French. Hey, there you go. Uh, who is the new director of LGBTQ affairs for Baltimore Mayor Brandon Scott. And of course, unfortunately, her job will be tasked to uh, make sure that black transgender women are protected over there because they are being killed at an unacceptable rate. Her job is to do just that, which is kind of triggering, but um, it's important to have that representation there because, uh, you know, I can't think of anyone else, anyone better than someone who is of a lived experience to figure out how to create solutions for their community, right? With the support of allies and accomplices, of course. But... <laughs> It sucks that she's on the front lines, it seems, of this. No, you're so right. I, and I love that. <clears throat> I mean, that's that was just my take. but That's a good take to have. Um, but good on her because I'm the work so she's... I'm just so proud of you. You know, I learned from the best. Yes. Y- you. Aww. <laughs> you get a yes queen too, Ryan. <laughs> yes, queen. <laughs> so uh, go check out this rising star, London Smith to Richelieu. Congrats on the big gig. And I'm hoping, you know, what she's doing there can be used as an example for other states and cities as well. But that's our yes queen of the day. Yeah. Yes, that also does it for our show today. We are back tomorrow. Weekdays here live on Channel Q, 2 to 6 p.m. Pacific, 5 to 9 p.m. Eastern. On tomorrow's show, yes, we are talking to Betty Who. Woo! Who is back on Let's Go There. Who? Yes. Betty Who. Exactly. Actually, um, Betty Who, at the last day of uh, Pride Month, she performed on Good, Ma- mm. on Good Morning America, and yeah. someone, uh, uh, a couple got pr- um, engaged during her oh, performance. Oh, cute. So, I mean. What we should we do on our show? Can't wait to talk about <laughs> that. Why don't we uh, get someone that maybe you've been talking to on the phone to ask out on a date? Um, First of all. <laughs> That will be our proposal on the show. Anyway, uh, so stick around for that. That'll be fun tomorrow. If you miss any of our shows or interviews, we post everything as a podcast. Just go to the Odyssey app or where podcasts are available and search. Let's go there. Yes. I'm like mixing up shows here. Of course. What were you going to say, huh? Go ahead and plug it. I do a show on KNX News called Inside Web 3. So I was just recording it also today. So I'm all, you yeah. know, mishmashed in the brain. <laughs> Is it too late for a, or early for a drink? Yes. No. <laughs> it's 7 o'clock somewhere. Ex- oh, yeah, exactly. Well, no, we're ending it. It's uh, 6 p.m. Yeah, but I like to say 7. I want okay, to say 7. 7 is, is the healthy time Thank to start. You, uh... Got it. Now uh, we are sending you love and light. And honey, remember to slay and have a beautiful rest of the day. Stick around for Love Line with Dr. Chris right after this where he's talking about revisiting narcissism. Okay. All right. Bye. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. 
You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Odyssey is giving you a chance to win a trip to London to see Taylor Swift at the Eras Tour. It's Tay in the UK. Hey, it's Taylor. Just download the free Odyssey app, log in and listen to a participating station for a minimum of 60 minutes to get your daily entry. And you could win a chance to fly off to London with three friends and see Taylor. I can't wait to see you at the Eras Tour in London. For more, go to odyssey.com slash Taylor. Tay in the UK. It's on the Odyssey app. Thanks to Republic Records. This is a national contest. (laughs) 